welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up and make some noise for your host, Joel Jacob. Hey, what's going on, He Nation? You know what? Why am I even talking like that? Let me not be fake for a second. For a second, all right? Y'all know what's going on. What's up, you guys? I don't know why I chose to be fake for a second, but screw that. Y'all know why we're doing this pod. Y'all know what's been going on, and let's just get right to it. In case y'all chose not to watch the last three games for the Heat, and by the way, God bless you if you did. Like, so much has been going on. First, the Heat lose to Brooklyn, and I don't even know how to explain that because we're in this position where you could potentially beat this team and maybe work your way up to getting that sixth seed. And some way, somehow, the Heat folded it. And it's not the fact that they just folded it. Like, they lost by 29 points. And keep in mind, this was UD night. Like, y'all literally sent that man outside. Like, UD was all about hustling and, you know, fighting till the game is won. And then y'all don't want to go out there and lose by 29. Like, let's be freaking for real right now. But just when you think things couldn't get worse, they then play Toronto. And you know what? Like, Jimmy didn't play. And obviously, when you don't have your best player, things are not going to be easy for you. But the way how they lost that game was also in a dishonorable fashion. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you should not... The way how the game went, where it was basically Bam and Tyler doing their thing. Although, I will be real, Bam did low-key struggle in that game. But even then, they still went up and got their shots up. But who else was there after those two guys? Like, everyone was struggling like crazy. And it got to a point where when TNT had to show the highlights of the game... At the end, they always show the stats. I saw this on social media. They were able to show all the players that scored for Toronto. Like, they put at least three or four names up at least. But when it was time to show the stats for Miami, you saw Bam Adebayo, this many points, this many rebounds. Tyler Hero, this many points, this many rebounds. The next person that was shown was Jimmy Butler, who didn't even play. They just mentioned that the man was on DMP. So it was so bad that they said, you know what? Let's not even show the other players' highlights. Um, Just simply show that Jimmy Butler wasn't playing and let's just move on with it. Another bad game. And just when you think it couldn't be worse, Miami then goes into New York, all right? And y'all already know about the playoff implications with that. If Miami wins this game, they own the tiebreaker with New York, which means even if they can't surpass Brooklyn, they still have a good chance to get the sixth seed, depending on how New York plays. And guess what? They folded that too. I don't know what else to say, y'all. It's been such a tough, tough, tough season. And just when you think it couldn't get worse, Miami said, hold my hold my soda. You know what? Let me go out and lose three more games for y'all. And it happened. I don't know what the hell to say. And it's just been... I know it's been a tough season, but, like, dang, every time I feel like, let me at least be a little more optimistic, they go out and do something like this. And it doesn't help that each L is uglier than the last one. Like, at least if we lose a close game, I could be like, okay, you know what, we almost had it. 
but losing by 29 at home to Brooklyn and then losing to Toronto the way how they did and then losing to New York, like, I'm not with that. And it's just such a terrible situation right now. And, you know, we, we can spend this whole pod talking about it, and we will because that's unfortunately how we got to handle it right now. But I just want to know, like, George, how do you feel about this? And also, shout-outs to George, by the way, um, for hopping in on this pod with me. But, like, yeah, like, George, what's what's on your mind right now? Uh, it's been it's been tough because we were right there to take the sixth seed to get out of the playing tournament. And it's such a big advantage to not have to play those two games before, you know, walking into a playoff um, scenario. It's just, it's just really ideal. But the situation is and remains to be that they deserve it. They've deserved it from the way they've been playing for the way, especially post-All-Star break, the, the the fire looks gone. And then Jimmy came out the last few games before this three-game lose streak, and he was on fire. We got playoff Jimmy early, and it was just – it was fantastic because it brought a sense of of happiness back to the team and energy. But once that dissipated, once he was gone for that game, um, it, it just it just dropped us back in the lull. And that loss to the Nets, that is just, in my opinion, that's one of the most embarrassing losses of the season. Top three for sure. Um, that team has now swept us, by the way. The Brooklyn Nets and two of those games were without anyone. They had lost Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns. And before that, they had lost Kyrie Irving to the, to the Mavs. So you have a completely rebuilding team who's trying to, should be trying to lose as many games possible to then, you know, take advantage of their peak situation. And they're beating us by 29. By 29 points. And it's just been so, it's just just a more of a morbid feel around it, which sucks. And it just feels horrible to to have to say that. But at the end of the day, it's it's what the team has deserved. And, And you can't always overachieve. I feel like the last season and, you know, the season before, we have a sense of like, of 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 relying relying on unreliable sources. You know, if it was last year, it was the um, uh, the coaching of Eric Spolstra was was able to take us past a lot of the games. Uh, really good scouting for some free agents and some ten uh, day contracts. We were able to get us out of some some holes that we were in when uh, Bam, Jimmy, and nearly half the roster was out last season. That was important, and so was Kyle Lowry in the situation. But the health has declined for Kyle Lowry, and the curtains closed. I feel for him. It's 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 getting to that point now where he should be saying his goodbyes. And his play this year has just epitomized what's happened with the Heat. They were they were not prepared. They walked into an off season where they they I felt that they knew already knew that they had to do a lot of stuff to get those um to you know to maintain their their Eastern Conference Finals appearance up they knew that they had to do something and instead of building on that momentum they lost pj tucker added absolutely no one and ran it back and you see exactly like like they said you know and everyone was saying as well we had internal progression we have this we have that you know tyler here is taking a starting role it's like having a new player kayla martin was going to walk in you know we didn't even know who was going to start at the four and it turned out to be kayla martin so but bringing it back to the three-game losing streak, it's just been a theme all year. When when it matters most, we we don't show up. You know, the games will be close for a time. We'll come back um, if we're down big, and then we'll lose 
or you know we'll have a, a, a solid lead and we'll blow it. But this team doesn't know how to play leads. This team looks like it's checked out. And looking at someone who's been amazing most of the season in Bamba Bio, who's been our backbone, has been the most, in in my opinion, the most important figure besides Jimmy Butler. Um, to walk out and just since the All Star break, looks like he's he's mentally checked out, and it sucks. It sucks that we've come to a point where like. He's now questionable with hip soreness, and he comes out the other uh, th- this morning and uh, and says, you know, the team's just tired. The team doesn't want to do it anymore. Like he just looks defeated, and that's I feel like that's where we're at right now. This hip soreness thing might be a, a way of saying they might shut him down for the rest of the season. So it's he's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens from um, you know, the last remaining few games. Right, and honestly, this whole season has been a wild ride, and. I'm not going to start recapping it now because we'll have a whole pod to do, you know, once the heat season officially ends, wherever that will take place at. So I won't go too deep into it. But overall, everything you said, man, was basically on point. And I just don't know how to feel because, you know what, let's let's look at these last three games. Like, even if the Heat didn't win all three, like, to go 0-3 is really sad. And the fact that they're not even, like, a top, what is it, a top three team when it comes to Miami sports now, like, it's kind of sad because you look at what the college teams have been doing and, you know, even the Sioux Falls Sky Force. I know, I know my geography and I know they're not located in Miami or in South Florida in general or even in the state of South Florida. But still, like, even then, you know, our affiliate team, it's all the way in the Western Conference Finals right now. Like, it's crazy how you have all this success for all these other teams, and yet you see what the Heat is doing. And it also doesn't help that the Dolphins front office has been cooking like crazy while we're still just praying to God that the Heat will do something aside from getting a washed Kevin Love and then a guy in Cody Zeller who's barely played this season. Oh, no, he never even did play until we signed him. So there's that. Aside from that, man, you know, I, that's really all I feel like I can really say about it. And I don't really want to dwell on these three L's too much. Like, I, I want to now look at this season altogether. And I just want to know, like, what do you think has been the biggest problem for the Heat that's led to these L's, George? Because I feel like it's a lot. And that's why I simply want to ask it like that. Because I didn't know how much people was going to come on for this pod. So I feel like everyone on the show would at least have something different to mention. Because, hey, even if we had, like, 50 people on this pod, there's at least one different problem that each person could talk about because lord knows there's been so much wrong with this team so with that being said like out of all the hundreds of problems this team has had this year feel free to name one that you think would be your favorite to talk about to name one would just be a disservice because there's been so many factors but if i had to choose just one i'll bring it back to the um to my argument before which was the 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 inability to build properly around Jimmy Butler, Bam and Abayo, um, and even Tyler Hero at that point. It's just been such a a, 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 it's a horrible offseason that led to a horrible regular season, which is exactly what um, you know I thought would happen when we said that we we're going to run it back. We already tried to run it back in 2000, and um, I believe it was 17, no, 18. No, sorry, I, I, it was 2000 and 
21 after yeah. the bubble run. Mm-hmm. And running it back just means that you just didn't put enough into the offseason to really try and rebuild and to, to, to you know, capitalize. You see teams evolve. You see teams like uh, Celtics who, who had some sort of postseason success and then improve their team every single year. And they're now looking like one of the two favorites to walk out of the East this year. The Milwaukee Bucks won a championship and didn't sit on their hands. They went out and got free agents. Their team looks completely different. They're also looking like one of the favorites coming out of the East. And you know what? Let me just stop you right there real quick because here's the thing with Milwaukee. If you look at Milwaukee's roster, like they are an example of how to run it back the right way. Because if you look at it, majority of their squad is somewhat the same from last season. Because they went into the offseason this past summer, and the only major move they made was going out and getting, um, I believe it was Joe Ingles. Like, I think that was it. So they went out and they did that. And obviously, you know, it wasn't really exactly a productive offseason for them. But then they went into the season, realized that there was still some problems that they needed to address. They were still winning games, so that was cool. But even then, they still said, let's not just chill right there. Let's not do nothing just because we're winning our games. They went into the trade deadline. They went and they got guys like a Jay Crowder. You know, they went and got other guys that could try to fill up their roster and make them even better. And that just shows that you're trying to win. And that's another thing that frustrates me because you look at them where even when they ran it back, they were still in a good position, but they still wanted to improve the team. Miami, on the other hand, they weren't really in a good position because they're seeing these other teams get better while they don't really have a good competent squad that's able to go far. I mean, at least with Milwaukee losing last year, they did it without one of their own all-stars in Chris Middleton. Like Miami, on the other hand, we still lost to Boston. And it was obvious that the squad still needed help in order to be a team like them. And they chose not to do anything. They instead made the decision to run it back. And the Bucks, like like I said, they felt the need to, you know, add more to their roster, even though they were sitting at a good spot in the Eastern Conference. Miami, on the other hand, they were literally still, like, not even a top four team in the East. They weren't even a five or six seed at the time. You know, I think they were maybe, like, a six seed. I don't know. But even then, it's still, like, a bottom four playoff team. And they chose not to do anything to at least somewhat revamp the roster, at least put some sort of new body in the mix that can sort of make things better. Instead, they went into the buyout market, and they got Kevin Love and just Cody Zeller, and that's just not enough. And... When I think about Milwaukee's situation, it's so frustrating. And people want to mention, oh, the Heat, if Bucks can run it back, why can't the Heat do it? Well, there's a way in which it's okay to run it back, but it's not always going to work out unless you actually know that you have a solid team to work with, which was what the Bucks had compared to Miami heading into that season. But that's what I have to say about it. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead and finish what you were going to say. Hi. Pretty much said everything I wanted to say as well. Like it's just, it's the same resonation at the end of the day. It's, there's, there's such a, um, a crucial factor to running it back where you have to do it the right way. When, when you lose something, you have to replace it. You know, you just can't leave a cog out of this, out of the mechanism, and hope it still runs the same. It just won't work like that. Especially when, you know, every year someone gets older. Every year there's more chance of this and that. And the most important aspect of, of, 
of the off season um, and, and acquiring talent and trying to, to build around players and, and build a system that works is you have to minimize how, you know, how problems may affect you. That's the, that's the point of it. When you have these problems and, and, and you don't rectify them and you let them keep going and you say, you know, we'll just see what happens here. We'll wait for this, wait for that. It, it just grows the problem. It's just, it's like it, it, when you have that many, those many problems and then you can't fix even one of them, they grow or one on top of the other on top of the other on top of the other. And it just becomes an entire, you know, it, it, once everything hits you, it's done. The way, the way I see this season unfolding, uh, unfolded was we, we had problems with rebounding at the start of it. And then, then our defense started to suffer for it. And then our offense was already at a lull because players like Max Struess and players like Duncan Robinson weren't playing. Max Struess was playing. He wasn't playing well at all. Uh, he had a pretty solid start of the season. Then for 30 or 40 games became one of the worst players, one worst shooters I've ever seen. So when you have that margin of error, so, so tiny because you just did not replace players and you didn't actually fix anything. You, you really see how bad it can get really quickly because you know, it's it, I, I look, I could sit here and talk about it all day, but the, the fact of the matter is this team didn't do a good enough job of um of trying to fix anything. They didn't do a good enough job of trying to uh of trying to, you know, replace talent when we lost it. And this season's a perfect idea and a perfect representation of, of what happens when you don't do it properly. And when that margin of error gets so slim, the you know, players suffer for it as well. Look at Baron Abaya at the second half of the season when Kevin Love came in and wasn't doing anything. You saw him take a step back. It looks like Bam kind of mentally checked out a little bit. And it comes back to the culture as well, this whole heat, you know, underdog mentality sort of thing. And it comes, goes, and that ties into the whole undrafted problem as well. The heat through the season, rostered nine undrafted people. And look, it was all well and good when we were winning. But, you know, we sit here and we say, you know what, maybe, you know, people have, have limits. People like Max Struess have a limit. People like Gabe Vincent have a limit. They're not starting quality players. Max Struess was playing better as a starter last season, but now you see how much his game has suffered for it. So it's got time to go to go back to the drawing board and to really figure out where they where they sit, where their priorities lie, and how they can actually fix it. And there was a report that came out today saying that they would wait to the end of the season to make any judgment calls on on this team and figure out what they're going to do. Of course, they're going to do that, but you've anyone can see what you know what's what's done these last few games aren't really going to show you anything different so the, the team has a, a ton of problems but it's not an unfixable situation right and you know like uh, the point you mentioned was the whole thing with the undrafted players and like it's just getting so ridiculous and you know so many people have said it and i'll say it again myself like, I get it, you feel so proud of your development system, and that's nothing to be, you know, that shouldn't be a negative. But Miami has found a way to make it a negative because they have banked so much on their development system that now we have 50 undrafted players on this squad, and it's not right. We should not be a playoff team and have five undrafted players on the floor at once. Like, that that's not how it goes if you are a championship contending team. You should not have this many players who couldn't even get drafted on your squad playing important minutes like this. Like, you know, we sit here and we're getting mad at 
guys like Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. Guess what? There was a reason why nobody chose to draft those guys in the first place. Same thing goes with the other guys we got on the squad. But yet we choose to get mad at them because Miami went and they decided to invest all of this faith into these guys. And I can sit here and talk about all this stuff all day. But the truth is, is that Miami has gotten to a point where, like I said, they feel that they could just simply get talent from there and that they don't have to pay too much money just to get these guys because we don't want to worry about going over the luxury tax or whatever. So let's just keep getting undrafted guys, undrafted guys, undrafted guys. Let's keep going to the LA Fitness and see who our next point guard is going to be, who our next shooting guard, who our next big is going to be. We don't want to simply go into the draft and try to get actual talent that can supplement our needs. We don't want to try to go into free agency and maybe get someone good or maybe pursue a trade for someone that could actually bring actual talent to the squad. No, let's keep getting guys from the G League. Let's just keep watching Sky Force games and just continue signing guys from there. Like, you can't keep doing this, you know? Like, one thing is, is that obviously, like, how, how do I say this? It's There's nothing wrong with signing one or two undrafted players, all right? It's kind of like eating candy, all right? You can eat candy every now and then, and there's nothing wrong with it. But, like, if you're just going to keep eating candy and rely on that to be your nutrition for lunch, breakfast, and dinner, it's not going to work. It's unhealthy, and you're going to deal with the problems later on in life. That's the same thing with this team. We're relying on undrafted players to be our main source of nutrition, aside from our main guys in Jimmy, Tyler, and Bam. Like, we're focusing this much on undrafted players that it's so unhealthy and it's causing so much problems for the squad. And obviously, there's more to it aside from the undrafted guys. And you mentioned it yourself, um, George. Like, whether if it is, you know, the situation with Kyle Lowry and some of the problems we've seen with the other guys, whether if it is Bam taking a step back since the All-Star break, so much has played a role into it. And it's just so exhausting. And, you know, the front office has done so much. And I won't get in too deep with the front office because that's going to be what that end of the season part is for. So I'm not going to say too much about it. But this is what I was talking about, where I said that you can sit here and talk about so many things that have went wrong with this season, so many problems that we have seen with this team. And it's so tough because you mentioned the idea of sitting guys like Bam and Jimmy. And honestly, I'm all for it because it's so tough for me, especially as a Jimmy Butler fan, to watch that man put his whole heart on that floor, you know, to have games where he's just playing at a whole other level, where this man is basically the greatest player to ever play, the way how he plays, man. Like, it's he's on a whole other level when it comes to basketball. And we saw that last year in the playoffs, and we continue to see that. But the problem is, is that we never took advantage of that greatness because we saw what he did last year, and we could have easily seen that this man has a chance. He, he can easily take this team to a championship. But obviously, he can't do it by himself. Obviously, he needs talent to work with, you know, aside from, you know, Bam and Tyler. 
know, you need other guys on the squad that can help out. Whether if it's getting high impact players that could, you know, serve as role players for us, or go out and maybe get, you know, trade a guy like Tyler for another star, doing whatever it takes to make this team closer to a championship. But we didn't do it. And listen, the whole thing with Kevin Durant, I won't talk about that too much because at the end of the day, I feel like with the whole thing with him was that if if KD wanted to come to Miami, if that was like his number one option over Phoenix, then I think he would have ended up on the Heat. But because Phoenix was the team he wanted to go to and Brooklyn wanted to honor his trade request for, you know, riding the season out with them, they chose to put him in that in that situation and make him a Phoenix Sun. So I'm not going to be too mad about that. But regarding, you know, Donovan Mitchell, you know, the idea, the fact that the Heat felt like Tyler Hero and three first-round picks was too much for him. And as of right now, this same guy that we thought was too much, you know, too much assets we had to give up just to get him, you know, he recently touched a whole new record. Like, I, I think he's, like, leading the Cavs. Wait, no, no. He tied the record. He tied LeBron James for the most 40-point games in a single-season history for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, think about that. That's the Yo, I'm sorry, man. I'm losing my voice talking like this. That's the guy that we chose not to trade for. And it's freaking ridiculous. And I just don't know what else to say about it, man. And what makes it worse is that people don't want to own up to it. And they're trying to dodge the smoke. I'm not going to specifically go into the name droppings. But I'm sure y'all heard the reports about how a certain someone chose not to say anything about what's been going on with the Heat. He simply chose to avoid basketball questions and talk about whatever else the media wanted to ask him about. If you asked him about anything relating with the team right now, that man was dodging it ASAP. And y'all probably know who I'm talking about if y'all know the whole story that went down there. But aside from that, man, it's just so tough and... You know, whether if it was the offseason or the lack of moves in the trade deadline. Like I said before we even got into this topic, man, there's so much issues that went on with the squad. So many things that went wrong that if we did have a pod of like 50 people, everyone should be able to come up with a different problem of what pissed them off the most. Because there's so much you could choose from. And you said it yourself when you started I'm saying what you had to say, George. Like just simply naming one issue alone is too much. But at this point, man, there's and you know what? I know I already loaded the chopper for this specific pod, but trust me, the things that I could potentially say when it's time to drop that end of the season pod is gonna be something else. So I'ma just, you know, step away from now. But until until that day comes, let's just simply move on to the next topic. Is there anything else you want to say, George, or are you ready to move on yourself? I'll just say something about the whole Jimmy Butler thing as well. He He's an interesting case as well because you see him, but pre-All-Star was taking a, a, a sort of backseat, and you could see him kind of giving the reins a little bit more to, to Bam and to Tyler Hero, who were striving a lot more. Uh, you know, no, I won't say in his absence, he was definitely taking games off, and it was definitely very, like, detrimental for, for closer games and stuff like that. But when he turns it on, you see how hard it is for the entire team to perform well while he's performing well as well. So you got to figure out that situation as well because you want Jimmy to be at his best. But you know for a fact that Jimmy won't put his all into a regular season game until, you know, until now, until the last 15, 20 games of a season. When he thinks it counts the most, he'll play. 
Um, you will never get a Jimmy Butler that that will try the first sixty games of a season. He just won't do it. He'll put it. He'll, he'll play well. He just won't play that well. If you if he played the way he plays now through the entire season, you know he he's already the ninth. It, 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 from what I read the other day, he's ninth on the MVP list right now, ninth, and that's solely due to what he's been doing in the last twenty or so games post the All Star break. So. I don't know if it's a if it's a situation where you say you know what he needs to be trying the entire time, um, but at the end of the day, it should be enough for Bam and Tyler Hero to take you over the line. Most of those games just didn't happen because of the undrafted players as well. It's just it, it, that's what I'm saying. Once you get one problem, you don't you don't rectify it, and you 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 see other problems, you know, come up, and it makes it even harder to solve the first problem. It's just it's just. It's human nature. It's literally what happens in every single situation. So right. by not fixing the undrafted problem, and look, I know people say that having undrafted talent is good. You know, it's good to find players that they came out of nowhere that will cost you nothing, 100%. What you don't do is give them multi-year contracts for $18 million you know, a year, $19 million a year. The Dougie Rosa came out of the, out of the blue and was one of the best three-point shooters in the entire league, your top three. And then you... He played well enough to to play uh, to play himself into a, a four year deal, which we now see was a complete and utter mistake. Because players have ceilings and they realize that now. So hopefully they won't make the same mistake with, you know, Max Struess, who's coming out of you know coming off a contract, um, who wants to you know, he's obviously going to want to get paid, but he's not going to get paid from us, I believe. I don't think we're going to be the ones to pay him. Same with Gabe Vincent. Same with Yurt Seven. Yurt Seven came out yesterday and said that, um. I I know I can get a point, get to a point where I can dominate this league. Like you are an undrafted player, sir. Literally, literally, sit down. down, Yeah, like literally, sit down, relax. He goes, I wanted to start next to Bam, and then the 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 report came out that the league, you know, the 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 Heat look at him and after those comments and say, you you were on two different wavelengths. We're in two different places, mate. You you are literally an undrafted player. Relax. But he's saying I can dominate this league and I should be starting next to Bam. No, you shouldn't. As a backup center, you're fine. You're okay. You know, you do some things that are really bad and you do some things that are okay. That's why you were undrafted. If you were good enough, you would have been drafted. They don't make mistakes like that. So you've I feel like you've just given them too much of a belief that they're something when 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 they have limitations. Every player has it. But you, like, you know, we talk about all these undrafted players and stuff like that. You look what's happening in OKC with Jalen Williams. There's a lottery pick. Who is absolutely on fire? He is on fire, and bec- and he is a drafted player. Um, and the reason why I'm trying to bring up this this situation is like you see what happens when you actually draft players that are are talented naturally and gifted, and they they grow in a system. Imagine if we had Jalen Williams now. Imagine if we had that type of player. We don't. We don't. You know, last last player we drafted was Jokic, uh, Jovic, sorry, and he's played in the G League. He's just playing in the G League now. He's not even doing anything for us. So it's nice that they recognize that they just can't rely on this sort of talent. But it's gone to a point where you've already got nine undrafted players on your roster and you're relying on them more than the guy you just drafted. And the, I, and I just the, don't see how that's the situation. 
Right, and it's so weird because I just look back at the 2020 season, you know, like we had a an experienced point guard in Goran Dragic, right? And we chose to bench him, but not just for anyone. We chose to bench him for a rookie undrafted point guard in Kendrick Nunn. My, what confuses me is we were able to put so much trust in an undrafted point guard like Kendrick, but when we need a hole to fill with this um, power forward situation before we got Kevin Love, you know, and even then we're still having problems with it because y'all seen how Kevin Love been playing lately, but that's not the point right now. Even when we still had a, a um, situation where we didn't have anyone that fit the size that was needed to play power forward, we chose not to put Jokic, Jovic in that situation or at least make him a backup power forward. Instead, like you said, we chose not to play him and it just confuses me. We how chose to play Hayward Highsmith over him. Right. Like it just so confuses me how he was, how we were able to give so much trust into a guy like um, Kendrick Nunn where we're able to play him in a starting position over our veteran point guard but when it's time to maybe give a guy like Nikola Jovic some sort of minutes, whether if it is as our starting power forward or maybe if it is coming off of the bench, whatever, we chose not to do it. And it's just so confusing and just so frustrating because you just want to try to understand it, but you just can't, you know? Like, I, It's one of those things where you just don't, you just, you can't put your finger on it. The whole Kendrick Nunn thing as well was just, like it's just, it comes back to asset management, and that's what this team has failed to to provide consistent consistency in that factor of, of, of asset management. You had a guy with like Kendrick Nunn who came, I think it was second in the Rookie of the Year yep. um, race, second, and you lost him for nothing, for nothing. And he literally, and then you have the Lakers. Like keep in mind, he was pretty bad with the Lakers, but the Lakers were still able to land Rui Hachimura for him. Think about it. It's just a team that that decided that you know if we weren't going to pay him, why keep him? What? Why would you have him on the roster if you didn't plan on keeping? That's what scares me coming into this offseason. That's 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 where I think the most of the the confusion and the um and the uncertainty comes from is the fact that these problems that we see could literally repeat right before our very eyes. We could literally see that this problem occur with a guy like Max Struess. We had there were reports coming out that the Memphis that the um, Minnesota Timberwolves offered a pick, a second round pick for him, and I I feel that the most logical and I like the sorry not the most logical I, I'm not going to say that the most um, I don't even know what the word is right now predictable outcome is to that they're not going to pay him and they're going to let him walk because of how bad he's played the last few the last few months. And you've lost him for nothing again. And if you don't lose him for that, you sign him to a to a deal that he's going to be okay with. So either you 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 lose him for nothing, or you sign him and and he hopefully doesn't do what he doesn't get do again. But he could he could come out and shoot terribly again. So you've lost. You've lost either way. The only way you don't lose is if you put him in a sign and trade deal for another guy, which is not going to happen. So this is it goes back to asset management. Really, it does. Look at what we did. We and I saw this report from um from Twitter as well. Not a report, sorry. It was a, a, a someone just posted this that the the Miami Heat drafted a six eight backup center, then traded him for Kyle Lowry, a thirty five years old, and paid a thirty five year old point guard ninety million dollars. 
Where, in what world is that a smart move? Mm-hmm. In what world is that? And and, and they, they 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 came out and said, oh, you know, we assumed that we were getting an all star caliber point guard. He's thirty five. He's thirty. He's not Steve Nash. He's not going to be productive. He's not Jason Kidd. He's Kyle Lowry. And you saw one injury, one hamstring injury, and he has been unbelievable amounts of terrible. And then he's come off the bench and he's played okay. But you're still paying him $30 million. And I'll be damned if we have a $30 million backup point guard on my team. I swear to God, I'll lose it. I couldn't agree anymore. And honestly, at this point, it is what it is. And like I said, when it's time for that end of the season pod, that's where I feel like we'll really be cooking. And I feel like we could spend all day talking about the bats with this team. But, you know, obviously we got to keep it going. And, you know, I want to get into um, our final heat-related topic of the day, and that's none other than this Heat versus Mavericks game. Um, the expectations is that there's a chance that Bam and I believe Kyle could miss this game. I believe they're questionable right now. Even then, like, what's going to be your expectations for this game, George? Sorry, I don't know. I don't know why I wasn't unmuted just then. Um. Look, I believe more than the same. I believe that they will both miss that game. I feel like that's the most, uh, that's the smartest thing to do right now. I, I feel like at this point of the season, the last five games mean nothing right now. It's not that they mean nothing. I don't feel like they've got it in them to really pull out these last five games and hopefully get that six seed. I don't think it's a thing. So I uh, against the Mavericks who are also having massive issues internally with, um, you know, with the whole Kyrie Irving situation. People still placing blame on him. Where I don't, I don't think it's it's warranted at all. But that's a whole different discussion for, um, you know, Mavericks Twitter universe. Uh, I I don't see us winning that game. I'm not gonna lie. I don't see us winning that game. I still think that with Luca there, he's just gonna outperform whoever plays that night. So it's just like, unless Jimmy Butler plays, and then Jimmy will be the best player on the floor. But <laughs> it's because it's that time of the year where he actually tries. But if there's no Bam, I I just Look, they they're really short the, in the um in their front court as well. So depending on who we actually field will be who who wins that game. But I I just I have no expectations anymore. I don't I don't see this team as as you know a threat for other teams. So if especially if we start resting our players, so it's uh, it's kind of grim at the moment. Right. Like, for me personally, I just, you know what, I don't even know. Because at this point, I feel like none of it matters. So, it's like, if the Heat win, like, okay, what happens next? If the Heat loses, I don't care at this point because all the L's have made me numb. So, I'll just say this, man. If Bam and Kyle don't play, I mean, you know, it's it's looking like an L. If not, and we get the win, cool. You know, obviously... The Heat fan in me will always root for the squad, so I'm hoping they get the W, and I'm going to say that they do, because why the hell not? It's not like it will do anything for me at this point, so that's going to be my prediction. What will happen in this game? I'm going to say everyone is going to combine for 30 points, and we'll finish the game with the NBA record of scoring more than 450 points. Or, you know, whoever ends up playing. I think it's going to be such an amazing game. And I think it's going to be so inspiring that 
the NBA, Adam Silver comes out and he says, you know what, screw it. That game was so amazing that we're not even going to play a playoffs because the Heat have shown that they're the best team in the NBA and we're going to give them the championship and end the season right there. Jimmy gets his ring and everyone lives happily ever after. So that will be my expectation. That's beautiful, game. Joe. Yeah. That was beautiful. So, Anyways, with that being said, y'all, that's my expectations for the game. Now that we talked about the Heat, let's get into something that's more positive. In case y'all haven't seen it, the the Florida Atlantic University, my owls, the, the, the college that I am proud to be a student of, they are in the Final Four. They're joined by the Miami Hurricanes as well. And I'm so happy, man, because you know what? I never thought in a million years that I would see my own college take part in something like this. You know, to know that the college that I go to, the college that I'm still at right now and taking courses for and still taking care of all the schoolwork right now, that's the college that's being represented right now in this um, Final Four right now for March Madness. And it's just such a great feeling. And then you look at what the Miami Hurricanes have been able to do, you know, also being able to make it that far. You know, they were down by like 12 or 13 points against who did they play against? I think it was on um, Texas, I believe. And they came back. And by the way, Miami Heat, if you're listening to this, I hope y'all learn about how to come back even when the other team has a big lead. I think this is what the Hurricanes were able to do. I think that's what y'all should take note on. So I just want to make that clear very before we move on to this. But aside from all that, like it's just such a great thing to see, man. And you know, I know George. You mentioned it at the um before we even started this. Like, there's a possibility we could see a FAU versus UM championship game, and it's just gonna be such an exciting thing to see if it happens. And you know, obviously, I don't want to get too hyped up about it because at the end of the day, we still got so much basketball left to be played. Florida Atlantic still has to go through San Diego State, and um UM has to go through UConn. But it's just such a great feeling for, you know, Miami sports fans, at least assuming that they're rooting for one of those two teams. Because if you look at what our professional team has been doing, I mean, at least someone is compensating for it. At least someone is saying, you know what? Yeah, they might, he might be trash this year. But you know what? We'll help you all out. And we'll give you all two teams being in the Final Four. Like, it's just a great feeling. And, like, I know for you, George, like, you're in Australia, so you can, you don't really be you know, paying attention to this type type of stuff where you can't really keep up with it like the way you would, you probably want to. But like for you personally, and you look at this from like the outside, like how do you feel about it? It's just like it's just great for Florida sports as well. This is the first time, and I feel I think it was uh, it's a long time that you know the first seed of these these schools just haven't made the top four. The only the only team that's made it this far in the contest before is UConn. So having the Canes and the Owls come in and 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 really just be that underdog and 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 fight for everything, you know. After having a great season, that was it. They only lost three games the entire season. Went on a twenty game win streak as well. To to come out and then you know to beat Memphis, to beat Farley, to beat Tennessee, Kansas State, San Diego. Sorry, not San Diego State yet. Uh, <laughs> to come out and have all these great games, it just it just it shows real growth and real you know. That like actually holding on to like hope and actually putting it on the court and 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 playing your heart out every game. You know these players like Jonel Davis and and Martin uh, Gold, Golden 
void. The, these players are coming out and putting on a show every night and they're putting the heart on the court for every single performance and it means more. It, it, just, it means more than basketball for these for these type of players as well. Um, especially, you know, a program like uh, uh, the for the Owls where it doesn't look like it's been at the forefront of what they've been about. But to make it to the Final Four and have a chance to win, you know, to win it all, it just it's such a great thing for the entire school, for the program, um, for the coach. It's it's a it's just a great thing all all around, all around for for the entire unit for Dusty May, um, and in the, the coaching staff as well. It just it speaks volumes to the school and what they've been able to put together. Right, and you know, like you mentioned, the coaching staff, and I mean, especially for UM, like you know, and for the thing with Dusty May, before I even talk about UM and Jim Laranega, like you know, I'll never forget the story I heard just a few days ago, where apparently, um, Dusty May, like he felt like he made a big mistake coming to FAU, like he literally regretted being hired by them just hours after signing the contract because he felt like he committed career suicide by making that type of move because we didn't really have that good of a basketball program at the time. But he helped turn it around, you know. It's because of him that we are this far in it. And I'm so happy for him. And there were rumors that, you know, maybe he would get poached by another college. Um, another, you know, big name college out there would probably try to get him. But he went to the media just yesterday and made it clear that that it's not going to happen. He's going to stay in FAU and him and FAU are currently working on a contract extension. Not going to be any more happier to hear that, you know. And not only that, but, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, with Jim Laranega, you know, the man has been um, the Canes coach for over a decade now. And the fact that he's finally going to get the opportunity to legitimately compete for a championship by being here in the Final Four, it's such a great feeling. And the worst thing about all of this is the fact that only one of them can bring home the trophy if they were to make it to the finals. Because I want I want both of them to win so bad, but it's so tough because of the situation they're in where, you know, obviously only one team can win this championship. Where, you know, if NCAA, if y'all choose to listen to this, just give both teams the championship if they make it to the finals because I cannot root against any one of them. I can't root against my college like that. And I can't root against UM. So please just do us all a favor and just bring out two trophies at the championship game and just leave it at that. Please and thank you. But aside from that, man, it's just a great feeling overall. And shout outs to the Sioux Falls Sky Force. They made it to the Western Conference Finals yesterday. So, you know, I mean, that's another team doing better than the Heat. So hopefully the Heat can be inspired by that. You know, we always love to see them, you know, get inspiration from these other players. So, you know, Miami, you know, take notes of what you're seeing, whether if it's from Sufos, the Owls, or the Canes, I don't care. What y'all have been seeing is greatness. And hopefully the Heat just, they're just able to take notes of it. Maybe if they're nice enough, maybe Sioux Falls or, you know, um, Sioux Falls, FAU, or the Canes, you know, one of those um, teams could just come to the American Airlines Arena or whatever the name is going to be and, you know, just give certain players on that squad a few tips on how they could play better. So, you know what, I, I know those teams are really nice and they would do something like that. So, you know, hopefully they could give the Heat a few tips on how to actually play good the next time they got to take the floor.
anyways, that's all I got to say about that. Is there anything else you want to say before we officially close this pod? And luckily with it being on a more lighter note compared to having to talk about all the crap we had to talk about earlier. I just, I just want to say whoever's been making those Heat the World logos where it's uh, FAU themed and then there's uh, the, the Canes theme. It's really good work. And you should always have those. <laughs> That's the best colorway you've ever done. <laughs> bet, bet, bet. So, yeah, I'm I'm make sure to let that person know. But, you know, aside from that, you know, shout-outs to FAU. Shout-outs to UM. Shout-outs to the Sky Force. And let's keep that winning going because if the Heat can't get the job done, at least we know we have a basketball team, or in this case, basketball teams that will do it for us. With that being said, though, thank y'all so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. Make sure to follow George on Twitter at XHeatLifer. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. And make sure to follow Heat vs. the World on all platforms at HVTW Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel at Heat vs. the World. And, you know, make sure y'all keep an eye out for all our content. We got the Heat vs. the World podcast, Culture Shop. A Biscayne breakdown. And if you're a big fan of football, you know, very soon we're going to be dropping even more Dolphins versus the world content. So much stuff is headed your way. And we're still going to figure some stuff out because one more thing I do got to talk about before we close the show out. Um, You know, so we recently learned today that the network that we've been working with, the network that's been providing us with so much um, resources to help make our content, um, the Basketball Podcast Network, they have unfortunately decided to shut down. And because of that, I just want to say a big shout out to everyone part of that team for taking us in and providing us with everything we needed to make our content work. Um, shout out to guys like Kyle and Dylan. You know, um, if y'all listening to this, y'all the homies, like they did so much to, you know, make sure that we felt comfortable you know, and made sure that we had everything we needed to succeed with because as you guys, the listeners know, it's never easy trying to do what we're trying to do as an independent group. It never is. So shout out to them for trying so hard to make it easy for us by taking us in as one of the shows of their network and giving us access to everything that we needed in order to succeed with. Uh, it sucks to see that, um, to see them shut down, but you know, I'll never forget the time you were able to spend with them and being a part of that network. It was a great time, and it's unfortunate it had to end as soon as it did. And, you know, obviously we'll have to figure out um, things for our network regarding being able to get access to those resources very soon. So if y'all listening, make sure to keep us in y'all prayers as we try to figure everything out. I know we will, and we will keep coming out with more Miami Heat content. Aside from that, I know I've been talking too much. You know, at this point, Miami Heat, do whatever y'all want to do. I do not care. Uh, go FAU. Go UM. Go Sky Force. I want to see each and every one of y'all win the championship. Aside from that, thank y'all so much for listening to today's episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. Hit that music because we out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat versus the World podcast.
Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up and make some noise for your host, Joe Jacob! Hey, what's going on, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob. I'm joined by Kay, and we should be joined by Kevin very soon. And, you know, we're we're feeling good. I mean, we, there's something that we will address very soon. But overall, you know, the Heat are up 2-1 against the Bucks, So, you know, we're feeling good about that. But before we really get into last night's game, um, before we hopped on the pod just minutes before, we heard the news about Victor Oladipo. In case y'all um, didn't hear, last night, you know, late in the fourth quarter, Victor suffered a scary injury. It seemed like his leg just gave out on that play. And he went in for an MRI, and it turned out that it was a torn patellar tendon. And I'm not going to lie with y'all. Like, I feel really heartbroken because we we know his story. Everyone has. And you hear about what he had to go through when he came to Indiana. And then you see what he had to deal with in Miami when he suffered that injury there. When I think he tore the um, quad, I believe it was. Not sure the exact injury, but it was like four games into his Miami Heat career. It's so heartbreaking because you want to see him get the proper story, that he, the, the great story that he deserves. And the fact that he has to deal with another setback, it's so heartbreaking and I personally just hope that he could just get the what's the word I'm looking for that the story that he deserves, the story, the ending he deserves, and everything. So with that all being said, like I just want to know, Kay, how do you feel about hearing this news? Oh, I broke it, man. In the moment, um, it was heartbreaking seeing Depot go down, um, especially in light of what was otherwise such a glorious night for, you know what I mean, he culture, he nation, um, to see Depot go down the way he did and to immediately see his reactions, whether that's the way he was looking at his teammates, his responses to his teammates' questions, or just simply the way he was feeling around his knee. Um, and then to even see that, you know, he needed help going off and, and just all of the mannerisms around it. It was absolutely heartbreaking, man. Um, and you knew that Depot has been through so much that he knows himself. So you knew that it was something. Um, but, you know, to actually get the news, I, I won't say it's unexpected because it was expected based on his reaction. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say the same thing I continue to say. Um, he's still signed for another year as far as the option goes. I'm sure he'll pick that up. Um, I just want to see him get back healthy and try it all over again. My thing is this, he's an athlete and he's been through this before, so he knows the physical. I just hope that he continues to keep his mental together because going through all of this, especially when you've been an elite athlete, um, it's mentally taxing. I mean, it's just like anybody else, day-to-day -day life, their job, whatever, whatever. We look at them as professional athletes. Yes, that injury part, the high-level stress and performance out of your body, that's one particular facet that we don't experience as quote unquote, regular people when compared to like professional athletes. But just that day-to-day -day stress and like having to overcome extreme obstacles to be able to live your best life, be your best self, 
and do your job to the you know top of your ability we all encounter that so it's just i hope he got his mental together because i want to see him you know fight through and try to rehab and i don't know who he'll be on the other side of this um i, I don't know what the future holds but i just hope that he's willing to fight through and try to do it all over again because you hate to see it bro you hate to see it especially when he was finding his footing um, from a performance in the playoff standpoint, he was getting to that mid-range. He was playing defense. I just noted the way he was flipping them hips, and you could see he was energetic about his time on the floor. He was making an impact. Like I said, um, late in that game, and not to go too far because we're talking about the injury, but just the point to, like, you know, how Depot has started to further acclimate himself into this playoff rotation. Like, later in the game, when Jimmy went out with the bruised butt, um, Kyle Laurie and Victor Oladipo were getting into the middle of that defense and they were making stuff happen in that middle area. Um, and Depot's kind of been doing that since the beginning of this series. And you notice Kyle Laurie started to do more of that, even though when Depot gets there, he's going to try to score it where Kyle Laurie may try to do something for somebody else. But, you know, just an example of how he started to acclimate himself. So um, it's just super tough to see. And overall, again, I just hope that he, you know, is continuing to be willing to thug it out and to fight it out, and to rehab it out, and to try to come back again, man. It's tough to see. Right. And, you know, you made a great point about, you know, how he should feel mentally because I'll never forget, like, literally, I think before the season started, um, he was on J.J. Reddick's podcast. And, you know, we heard about, and not only that, but I remember in that press conference from last season in the playoffs, I think it was after um game five or four, you know, he mentions how he was in a dark room after, um, you know, getting suffering that injury with the heat. And, you know, he was in a dark place mentally. And he mentioned on the J.J. Reddick pod that, you know, it got to a point where he seriously considered retirement. And it's such a heartbreaking thing to hear because I just don't know, like... I just hope hope the best for him because to see him go through all of that, it's just so not fair to him. And you just want to see him succeed. And it's just, I don't even know what to say because when I, I think when everyone saw him go down, I feel like it just had to break your heart because like I said, you know, we were all there for Depot Day last year and we were all, happy to see him back and to see him finally show the world what he was capable of doing. And even then, he still had his setbacks, constantly getting put out the rotation and everything, but he still found his way to claw back in it. The fact that all of that happened, happened, and yet here we are, you know, just when he's shining yet again, and now he has to deal with this. It's just so tough. And like I said earlier in the pod, I just hope he can get the happy story that he deserves. And Kevin, I know you've been a big depot guy for a long time. Like, I just want to know what's going through your mind, man. Man, um, <coughs> I, I'm, I'm hurt for depot, the, the human being more than just a basketball player, bro. Cause you know, just, you know, I know obviously we know these dudes because of basketball, but just, looking online and different things like that, just seeing the type of person Depot is, there was a singer, like, he just seemed chill as hell, you know, cool human being. You never hear anything bad about him going back to his days in Indiana. And, um, of course, you know, he's originally from the DMV, but it sucks, man. Again, he's, he's fought through, like y'all been saying, he's fought through so many different types of injuries just to get back to that point. And that's why kind of what Kay said, I'm, I'm just wishing the best for his mental. Like, that's all it comes down to. Because at, at, 
when it comes down to these injuries, that's the, the biggest thing is, is the mental hurdles and challenges of getting back. And mentally, that can just be frustrating and keep going through the same thing and the same thing after you've been fighting back constantly. But um, bigger than basketball, I'm just wishing the best for Victor Oladipo, the human being. And, yeah, that was, it was tough to watch, bro. When it happened, I ain't going to lie, I just turned the game off. Like, I didn't even watch the rest of the game. I seen UD came in and everything, but I didn't, I didn't even see that part because I was just so, like, I was heartbroken for bro. So, tough loss again. Wishing him nothing but the best, speedy recovery. And, man, it, it was just tough to watch. I ain't going to lie. And I want to clear something up. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm hoping that he, you know, bounces back with the heat and picks up his option and that because, it's, again, yeah, the basketball is important to me. I want to see the man play basketball for my team because I still think he could do something, even if it's just defensively. But the process of actually getting back will tell you that he was able to keep his mental together. And that's what I meant by that. To echo and, you know, right. piggyback on Kev's thoughts. Right. And let's see. Is there anything else that any of you guys want to add on before we move on? Because I know it's a tough way to really start the pod. But, like, obviously we had to address it. Especially Absolutely. with this update coming minutes before we recorded. Like, anything else y'all want to throw in? Or are we ready to move on? No, I felt like, you know, we wanted to get it off while I was fresh emotionally because Kev came in and tried to win a, 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 a Oscar with his little spew. I just people, <laughs> the human being, like, I was like, Dan, I, you know, I was like, Kev, come on now. It's too early for that. Don't, don't, don't be making me cry over here. <laughs> nah, for real, because, you know, we, we already said it, but man, like Victor Oladipo, if for some reason you took to listen to this man, we're praying for you. We believe in you, man. And we we know that your sto- your happy story is going to come real soon. So take care and, you know, hope that the recovery goes well. And, yeah, so shout-outs to Victor Oladipo, man. It's tough to see it, but I believe in that, man. If there's anyone that could go through this upcoming situation, it's him because he's shown throughout all of it that he's tougher than – probably a lot of basketball players in this world, the way how he's been able to hold himself together and everything. So with that being said, man, you know, I obviously, you know, we could talk about this all day and, you know, we, we just want to come here and just, you know, have a great time and stuff. So, you know, Victor Oladipo side, man, let's, let's just talk about this game because the Heat played the Bucks last night and we got the win. And, I'm just gonna say this, man. Hold on, no man. You need to what... be a little more excited now. You, 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 you. you we I got mean... the... no, get excited, <laughs> Joe. What the hell? Like, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry, man. Like, this is why it was like, you know what? Uh, energy change. Do? Energy change. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's see. Let me just let me just think about the game real quick. Three, two, one. All right, let's go. So the Heat won yesterday, and it was a great win. All I got is all right now. The fact that. <laughs> All I got to say is that, you know, people was coming into this series saying that the Heat was going to get swept or going to get beaten in five. And neither of that is happening. And we're only three games into the series. I'm not saying the series is over, obviously, because we still got a long way to go. But, man, to go out there and get that win was such a great thing. We beat them by 22 points. And it was just such a fun game to watch, you know. And 
Jimmy Butler was doing Jimmy Butler things. The man finished the game with 30 points in 28 minutes. We had a little scare with him. You know, as you mentioned earlier, Kay, he ended up getting a bruised butt. But, you know, where it seems like he'll he'll be good for game four, especially because of the fact that um he would he would have returned to the game. The Heat announced um in the middle of the game that he is expected to return, but he was expected to return in the game, but since the game was such a blowout, the Heat chose not to play him for the rest of it. And, you know, he then immediately got to work. I think he posted on his Instagram that he was already um, starting to the, starting the rehabilitation process for that. So um, I believe he should be good to go for game four. But, you know, we'll get into all that other game four stuff, game four talk later, but until then, man, like, it was just such a fun game overall, just seeing the Heat hit their threes and everything. And I've just got to mention it. The Miami Heat are number one in three-point shooting right now in this playoff run. I know we only three games in, but I have to say it. We are number one in three-point shooting, and that feels amazing because, you know what, I used to come... My bad. I used to come on this pod 24-7, and I used to be like, yo... Imagine if the Miami Heat was to pull a complete reverse and they shoot bad from the three-point line in the um regular season, but they completely change it up in the playoffs. And here we are right now. I mean, obviously, we got a long way to go, but I was feeling really good seeing what we saw last night and to know that this is apparently the truth. Like, we are apparently the best three-point shooting team right now, and it cannot have happened at a better time. So with that all being said, and, you know, looking at this past game, like, how are y'all feeling right now? We'll start off with you, Kev. Man, I'm feeling real good. I mean, obviously, you know, the Depot stuff aside, like, man, Duncan, it was his birthday. He came off the bench and had, what, five threes in this game? Um, I feel like a lot of Heat fans have been begging for his services because, I mean, he's on that contract. Of course, we all know, but he is capable. Even though defensively, he's still got to change some things up just to get him situated. He still makes things happen on the offensive end, or yeah, you know, on the offensive end, and it makes defenses just play us more honestly as a team. And Jimmy Butler, man, what else can I say? I mean, I <laughs> I said Bro's name a million times on this podcast. He continues to be amazing. Like he he's been him. I've been saying it's only in the playoffs. It's only a few dudes that are really better than Jimmy Butler. If I'm being honest with you, I'd probably say Bron, Curry, KD, and Kawhi in the past like decade. When it comes, and that's that's really it to me after that. So, Jimmy Butler's been him, like Joe said, thirty points in twenty eight minutes, bro. I think he'll be fine. He had the he had the bruise, what bruise, but he'll be straight. Nobody really worried about that. Jimmy's a dog. He he played through worse injuries last year, so he's been him. And, and man, we got to give credit to Kyle Lowry. A lot of people have always been talking super super reckless on Kyle Lowry. He came into the game and made plays, especially when Jimmy went out. He came in and understood that he had to take more. And he had to be more assertive with Jimmy out the game. He had to get buckets, and he did that in, in timely, timely plays. And he's always been a point guard, pure point guard at that from North Philly. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. And it, it, it's good to have dudes like that, even though the only knock you can ever have on Kyle is him being hurt and that he doesn't look to score that much. But when he does, just like Duncan, he makes defenses play way more honest. And that's what you have to do throughout the course of the games, especially in the playoffs. So, Shout out to Kyle. I just feel like it was a complete team effort, man. You need games like that. Caleb was good. Everybody was good. And it was home court. You got to hold it down. So I was happy. It was an overall team performance. 
Right. And like like we've been saying, Kevin, that man name is Jimmy Jansport Butler. Like back to school will be pulling up in August. Like I need Jansport to hit Jimmy Butler with that sponsorship ASAP because that man deserves it. But right. let's see. Like, hey, how about you, though? Like what's on your mind? Man, listen, 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 listen. Early, I wanted to correct you, but I wanted you to get your, excuse me, get your stuff off. And then um, I know Cam had to get his stuff off. Um, basically, yo, the Miami Heat decided that Jimmy Butler didn't need to come back in the game because Duncan Robinson decided to become that you-know-what. Um, basically, Duncan Robinson said, put your best defender on me. I'm going to take him to the cup off the dribble. I'm going to run off these picks. I'm going to nail it when you put your second best defender on me. And then when Jimmy is on the court, I'm going to create more space than he's seen in 97 games just by being on the court. Now, when I'm coming down the court and transition, nailing from 40, oh, I'm really feeling good at that point. But, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a situation where we talked about it, and I'm going to echo your thoughts, um, Joel, because, yeah, I had heard you mention it. But I also mentioned it, and I had been trying to articulate it in a way when it was foolproof, because we understand sports and the phenomena that things can switch and trends exist and magnificent, crazy, insane, absolutely unexplainable, inexplicable things happen. But that switch that you were talking about with the shooting is something that I parallel to the Miami Heat of past years, how they've been the best three-point shooting team in the league or one of the top three-point shooting teams in the league for 82 games throughout the regular season. And it's almost as if soon as the lights flip on the playoffs, they become a bottom third three-point shooting team. I also articulated in that manner how this season with the way that their shooting had trended back up in the last 15 to 20 games of the season, especially after we saw them play at such a subpar level from the outside on offense for much of the season, but that below the floor stretch right out of all-star break that we saw I said to myself, and I said it on the pod, and I'm, you know, hoping you guys can remember to corroborate my story, is that I would not be surprised if that trending back upward wasn't just an anomaly in itself, such as the Bucks game two shooting, um, I like game three, but it was actually evidence of what was to come in the playoffs. And again, we're early, we're three games in, but you know, even in the loss where the Bucks shot 25 of 49, absolutely insane. Um, the Miami Heat shot over 40% from three, over 50% from the field, 122 points. So they were not bad on offense. The Bucks were nuclear. Um, you know, nobody would have beat them on that night where they tied the NBA playoff record for three-pointers made, might I add. So, I mean, it's a situation where, this Miami Heat team, even, you know, with all that they've endured, um, if they can continue to get this shooting, you got to shout out Kevin Love. you got to shout out Kyle Lloyd making some big shots, momentum swinging shots. Shout out Caleb Martin making momentum swinging shots, momentum swinging plays. I remember the threes that all of them hit um, in periods where the Miami Heat could have gave back momentum. I also remember Caleb Martin crashing the glass hard when everybody decided to give up on it but him um, for another momentum play to always keep us up 13, 15, take it back out to 18. When the Bucks looked like they were going to make a run, you know, on the back of some Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday heroics. But I go back to this. Duncan Robinson said, put your best defenders on me, and I'm going to get that full work. Not 
<laughs> nah, because let's talk about that. Duncan Robinson really bowled out last night. Like, it was such a great feeling, the fact that, you know, we've been giving that man hell in about how his contract is arguably one of the worst in the league. Like, so much people have come out and say that. But for him, especially on his birthday, to come out and play the way how he did, like, it was such a great thing. And I just wanted to see his shooting pull up for at least one game specifically, and he got it last night. It would really be nice if he could um keep this going for the whole series, but we can't be too picky with him. The fact that we got one game is great enough, knowing how it is with his shooting. Hopefully, we can see it more, but, you know, I don't want to get my hopes up because a part of me does have to be a little, you know, realistic. Only spoke I guess and stop dunking. Only spoke and stop dunking. <laughs> I mean, it has to be said. Like, we can't tiptoe right. around that no more. Right. And like one thing with Duncan is that he's going to make his threes, like, um, especially when he's being heavily contested. And that's the thing that I love about him. Like, I, I used to make this joke, you know, how he could never win a three point contest because he cannot hit the shot. He barely hits the shots when it's wide open. But if you were to have a um, defender run at him every time he attempted a three, he's most definitely going to win the competition because that man. His shooting is just at another level when he's just guarded by some of these guys. And that was put on full display last night. And I just want to know, like, Kevin, is there anything that you want to add to this? Man, respect Duncan. I mean, I, th I think the, the thing is at this point is that, especially with Tyler going out and now Depot, that's two guards out of your rotation for the rest of the season, essentially. It's no you choice. Have no other, you have no other choice but to play Duncan. <laughs> It's, so is he got to he got to do something. I think next game he has to have a big game. If he can just play good at the crib, which all role players get paid to do, that's all we need there, Duncan. And I know it can translate to Milwaukee too. I'm not saying that, but I think Game Four is is a big big opportunity for the for the Heat. If I'm being honest. Right, and I just want to say, like, cause I want to, I want to mention his name again because it is a bit of topic for us. But win it for Depot, man. Like, let's just win it for him, bro. Four for four. Like, yeah. Oh my well, god. Y'all both mentioned That's great points. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. We, we you better trademark that cap. Uh, I said <laughs> big face backpacks. I said big face backpacks in the group chat. Um and Cam told me trademark it, which I already done. So anybody out there that's looking to get money off it, it's already sent to the office, so don't even worry about that. Um, but I'm just saying y'all both mentioned great points, man. Um that like and, and like I said, that motivational factor, whether it be depot, whether it be hero. Um, whatever, whatever. I think that truly exists with these guys. I think it gives them another reason to go out there and play. Um, but at the same time, you mentioned something, Kev. Listen, at this particular juncture, the Miami Heat already have home court advantage. The Bucks have to win at least two games on the Miami Heat's home floor to win this series. What you have to consider is the fact that even if Giannis comes back next game, is he going to be Giannis? Okay, let's say that he's 85% of Giannis. Well, y'all weren't beating us before he got hurt. The only way that y'all beat the Heat is by going insane from three. Well, when Giannis is playing, y'all don't take that many threes because he's getting all of his touches. It's just like, I'm, I can't predict anything. Three games into it, like we've been saying, we all always want to be tentative we always want to be realistic we always understand what we're up against and 
Because I, I, I like to consider at least you two guys and Dame, I'll throw him in there. You know, I like, actually, I like our whole crew. We're logical when it matters. And, and I like to consider myself a, a, a real optimist, a realist, you know what I'm saying, an optimal realist. Because y'all know that I'm optimistic. I, I believe in the best can happen, but I also try to acknowledge that I know what can happen and, and what, you know, what might happen. Um, but this Miami Heat team has an opportunity to do something um, really good if they can win this next game because, like, I mean, if they if they go up 3-1 on the Bucs, it's a wrap. I'm, I'm saying at that point, there's no way the Bucs going to beat them. If they go up 3-1 on the Bucs, I will say at that point, the Bucs are cooked. I will say it then. Um, so I, I think both of y'all bring up some really good points on the motivational factor and how crucial this game four is for the Miami Heat. All right. Is there anything else that y'all want to add before we really go into a deep dive about what to expect come game four? <laughs> no, nah, I'm good. All right, let's do this. So game four for the Heat, man. And I'm just going to say it like this. I mean, we already said it before, but they got to win this for Victor, man. Just do it. And like you guys mentioned, there's a big chance that Giannis does come back for this game mainly because obviously this is very important for the Bucks, and they do not want to go down three games to one. And really, and you you hit it right on the nose, um, Kay, because even if Giannis comes back, the three-point shooting isn't going to be like how it's been, you know, because obviously you want to get Giannis to touches and everything. And then there's also the fact that Giannis won't be 100% for the series, another thing that you hit on. So... That's going to be the main thing for Miami. Can they take advantage of that? And then also, I just want to make sure Jimmy is 100% too because, you know, obviously, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I think he'll be fine because now that I'm looking at it, like a butt injury is probably not going to be too major compared to any sort of other right. injury. Like, right. don't t- I'm not going to take it for granted because obviously, you know, I'm not a doctor or whatever, but. I mean, aside from the fact that he probably can't sound good, like, you it know. It ain't a bad, least, we can take solace in that. Right. So, you know, as long as it's not a back or, like, something up with his leg, then we're, we're good. Because I don't know if y'all saw game um three, but, like, there was the part where it seemed like he was hobbling a bit. And I was scared thinking that he injured, like, an ankle or something like that. But he was good, and it was just mainly the glute. So I'm I'm chilling knowing that. But all right. of that aside, we can't get too like, graphic. But let me ask you this, Joe: Have you ever have you ever strained like a glute or something? Oh uh, no. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just being. You know, it's sound weird, but it's possible. Like, um, I was a D lineman, so like, you know, what I'm saying sometimes you want to, you know, get off or whatever. So I was trying to get off on a big, um, on a big tackle, uh, actually an all state tackle, um. Um, as a freshman, and I strain my glute, and like every step you take, like your whole, like whatever side it is, whatever side is on, it hurts. Like you almost, like like say, you know how Jimmy crumbled, and like how every time he got up, he looked like he was fine, and then he took a step, and it was like it came right back. So your whole side, um, it it, it bothers you, but if you can get him massaged and treated or whatever, numb it down. You can, of course, promote faster healing and at the same time get comfortable enough to play. And especially when we're talking about a guy like Jimmy. So I think he'll be fine because it's not a bat. 
Right. And what the thing that I liked, and I mentioned it earlier, was the fact that we didn't have to play him for the whole fourth quarter. Like, the fact that he got, even though he could have returned, the fact that he got to sit on the bench and just relax for the remainder of the game was great. And that just makes me feel more comfortable. That and the fact that he immediately posted on his Instagram that he went straight into, um, you know, um, rehab and, you know, healing up from the injury. Like, that was just comforting to see. But all of that aside, like, um, like what's going to be, like, y'all's main expectations for this game? And what do y'all think is going to most likely happen? Uh, let's see. We'll start off with you, okay? Look, man, I'm, I'm most interested to see if Giannis come back. Um, I think that the Miami Heat will continue to shoot the ball well. I don't know how well they'll shoot it. Um, but I think they'll continue to shoot the ball well. And, and I want to know, I did say this coming um, into the series on the last pod. I told you, the Miami Heat can shoot the ball from thirty from, from range 37% or better, then they're going to have a shot to win in game. Um, and that's exactly what's happening. So I just think that the Miami Heat will continue to shoot the ball well. Um, if they can play with the – it's it's all about shooting and effort, honestly. Because what they're doing is they're just putting that extra effort in to make the Bucks make mistakes. like. You notice they were pressing, uh, you know, Caleb would pick Drew Holiday up full court, things like that. They're where they're supposed to be. They're making movements when they're supposed to make them. And it's just putting the Bucks in compromising positions. You even look at small plays like Cody Zeller being able to get a hand up in the passing lanes to deflect the ball that turns into a turnover. So the Miami continue to hit shots and they continue to play with the same purpose and effort on defense. I think that they're going to have a shot to win any game. But I can't go any deeper than that surface level explanation because we don't know if Giannis is gonna play. How about you, Kev? Man, I mean, what this team has shown us this season is that they're more than likely gonna lose this game. But I'm gonna be like what well, Casey. I'm gonna be the, the optimist, which I usually am. But the optimist, the optimal realist, is that we're at home. Again, as I mentioned, we we've lost Tyler and Depot. That should be extra motivation, as y'all mentioned too. And, again, the main thing, we're at the crib. So, let's just handle business. You know what I'm saying? If we're a good team, if we're as good as we think we are, it's as simple as handling business. With or without Giannis, we can get them – we can get a game. (laughs) Like, I'm not – at this point, I'm not even worried about that. I know I doubted us that one time to get, you know, in the play and to get to this point versus Chicago. But, man, I I think this is a great chance for the Heat to get this win and hold it down. They just need – Guys to knock down shots. They need Jimmy to be Jimmy, come out the gate aggressively and make plays for himself and others. And guys just got to hit shots. It's really as simple as that. So I expect them to do that. And as Kay mentioned, we go up 3-1, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. They, they'll probably go back beat us at Milwaukee, but I like us game six in Miami for sure. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. anything you want to add? I mean, yeah, like Kev said, I, I, I do agree with him. We could definitely beat them regardless of Giannis is on the court. I was more so leaning towards how I think it's going to go. Um, but, yeah, either way, if you hit shots and play with that same effort, whether Giannis is on the court or not, they can get smoked. For sure. And you know what? I'll say this. My expectations is that – and you said it yourself, Kevin. Like, I expect the Heat to just go out there and just try to get the win. Like, obviously, this team has had the ups and downs and – my only expectation is that unless Milwaukee has, like, another fluke three-point shooting performance, like, 
there's no reason why the Heat should um lose this game because you know I don't care how Giannis is gonna play or not because at the end of the day he's not a hundred percent and the most important thing is that if he's not going to play if that ends up being the scenario too then Miami should be able to take advantage of it. You know obviously as long as the three point shooting is still at its best as long as we're still playing like we're the best three point shooting team in the NBA right now I see this team being able to win this game. And the crazy thing about it is that, and I don't want to go too deep into it because we still have two more games to win. But imagine if Miami goes 3-1 and then imagine they was to some, they were event, they would eventually close the series out. You look at the potential two, one of the following two teams we'd play against in the second round. And I don't know, like, the the journey the journey that we have to go through the journey we have to go through from here looks a lot easier than it did before because we took out the one major giant so i'm not going to get too deep into it because obviously game 4 has not happened yet we don't even have that 3-1 lead yet so you know let's pause right there but aside from that i mean that's pretty much it for me like is there anything else y'all want to add before we close this out Prayers for Depot, of course. Heat and six. Mm-hmm. Let's see. How about you, K? Yeah, I'm. I'm a Kev man. Prayers for Depot. Um, speedy recovery. Want to see you back on the floor. Want to make sure you know. What I mean, your mental and your headspace is right. Um, heat and six, obviously. Um, but I also to your point of them shooting nuts. Um, Joel. Uh, I mean, look, they've only done that. Um. They've only shot above 50% three times, um, and they've taken at least, you know, 43s in games across the regular season. I want to say like 40 times, and they only managed to shoot that well three or four times. Uh, And it definitely hasn't happened consistently or even within six or seven games of each other. Research and points that I um, laid out in one of my latest pieces of content for heversetheworld.wordpress, which you can check out. Um, but so I, I don't I wouldn't worry about them having that type of shooting explosion um, again. And that can be noted by the fact that they were hitting pretty early on consistently in game three on Saturday night. But that calmed down for them. So um, I don't know. Like I said, the Miami Heat played the same intensity, the same purpose on defense um, and offense purposely, of course. And then, you know, make their three pointers. They, they you know, they're going to do exactly what we're saying they're going to do. He didn't say couldn't agree more, man. But aside from that, I feel like we talked about everything that we needed to talk about. So thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. World podcast. Make sure to follow um K on Twitter at K underscore said underscore K. Make sure to follow Kevin on Twitter at Kevo Mufasa7. That's two O's for Kevo. And make sure to follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. And most importantly, make sure to follow Heat versus the World on all platforms at HTTW Podcast. And make sure to check out all our shows on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to the channel where not only you can get access to Heat vs. the World podcast episodes, but also upcoming episodes of the Biscayne Breakdown featuring our guy K and Deem. Culture Shock featuring all of our ladies here at Heat vs. the World. And then also we got other content heading your way along with our Dolphins podcast. And then most importantly, go to hvtwpodcast.wordpress.com 
where many of our contributors, including Kay, is constantly writing up some great articles. So make sure to check that out. And it's going to be a fun time, y'all. We're going to keep the content going. Hopefully, the Heat can keep this playoff run alive and we can continue putting out great content for you all. Aside from that, man, prayers to Victor Oladipo. We know that you can make a speedy recovery, man. All, all of our prayers are with you. And Miami Heat, let's go try and take this 3-1 lead. We believe in you guys. Aside from that, y'all, thank y'all so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. The World podcast. And until next time, y'all, hit that music because we out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast.